Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is our special day once a month when we are joined by Sarah Riapel. Who manages? Oh, hello! You're gonna you're gonna jump in right there. You don't. We we won't say your official title. I mean, I know your uh, your dad gets very upset when I'm not uh, when I don't say it perfectly because you 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 have a pretty fancy title. Uh, no, it's fine. I think everybody after all this time probably knows who I am. So, well, I would hope so because <laughs> you manage. Can I can I even tell them how much money you manage? You can try and guess. Actually, that is a good point. I'm not sure I, I know the answer to that. I'm going to say, based on market moves, I'm going to say 165 billion. Oh, very close, 170. Oh, that's not bad. Not uh, that's pretty good. And and that and actually that that five was probably just from the action today. Maybe. So uh, may, maybe <laughs> that's how. Uh, so that's uh, from from your from your extreme position of power. We are looking uh, forward to what you have to say about markets. Because uh, we, you, you've always got uh, what, 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 what we always like to check in with Sarah for is she's always got an eye on on everything because um, the the portfolios that Sarah manages have uh, stocks, bonds, cash. Those stocks are all over the world, um, different capitalizations, different geographies, different styles. Uh, fixed income is in there, and all different types of fixed income, different types of credit, and some cash. Yep. Not a lot, but a little bit of cash. So, so it gives us a very good, broad perspective on what's going on uh, in markets relative to the economy. And of course, we have Eric Lascelles on, who gives us an update on the economy. Stu Kedwell on Tuesdays gives us more of that Canadian equity. We've got other people who come on and talk about global equity. But Sarah covers the the whole gamut, and uh, we're we're here on. Just want to say at the at the front end, uh, we're taping just before a Fed announcement. Yep. Uh, the Federal Reserve will be out later today uh, with an announcement on interest rates. So we'll uh, we, we we we've got a we've got a bit of a view, but we don't. Um, but and and we'll talk about what the Fed is doing. But uh, whether the Fed raises or doesn't right now is not that critically important at the end of of a, of a fairly significant rate hiking cycle. Uh, which uh, Sarah will get into in terms of the view of how close we are to the end of that tightening cycle. Um, but 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 what but 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 we won't talk specifically because we won't have the answer uh, while we're doing this taping. So let, let's again let's step back. Let's think talk more broadly about what's going on. Uh, inflation still uh, is 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 really the central theme of of the discussion around interest rates and the economy. Uh, we saw the, uh, the the U.S. number out earlier this week. Uh, the uh, the overall CPI was a little bit below expected. Core was still a little high, would be what you'd say, or uh, yeah. in, well, at expectations. Yeah, right? I would say probably we'd call it generally in line with expectations. You know, a lot of the key factors that drove inflation to its highest level in four in four decades have been turning over the last several months, and we're seeing some really good yeah. progress on inflation. Um, and so those that massive amount of monetary tightening that that the central banks have, have put into the market are, are really starting to work and bringing those inflation levels down. Uh, and so we talked, you mentioned the Fed earlier. So, yes, there is, you know, it's a possibility that, that the Fed is done. There's a possibility that the Fed does another 25 basis points. But it after 500 basis points of hikes since the beginning of, of 2022, yeah. whether or not they do another 25 is, is probably not that significant uh, an impact on markets. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I'm uh, when I have dessert, if I have a third piece of cake, 
I've already gone way too far <laughs> once I get past one, right? So uh, what, uh, what, what, what is that? Uh, what does it make a difference, right? Yeah, exactly. I just think that the need to continue to raise rates is, is going to diminish. Um, you know, the fact, you know, the good thing is that central banks should now be in a position to potentially cut rates in the back half of this year, if necessary, um, if it, the economy does weaken or, or, or if there's a recession on the horizon in, in the back half of the year. So, you know, we don't think that interest rates are going to retreat to historic lows that we saw uh, back a couple of years ago or, or even to the, the average of the post-financial crisis era. But there is we think they're near the end of their um, tightening cycle and that there is the potential for some rate cuts over the one year time horizon, depending on how the economy um, tracks. Yeah, and, and I, I shouldn't have been. It's a, a 25 a 25 basis point rate increase, if it were to occur, similar to the, the the Bank of Canada increase last week, it does have an effect. If you have, if you are a borrower, uh, and you are on a floating rate loan, uh, your loan likely goes up in terms of cost 25 basis points. Let's let's not diminish that. But in contrast to, as you say, 500 basis points of increases already, another 25. Um, and and recognizing that we're getting close to the end is um, is not as significant as if they were uh, going 25 basis points and we were expecting them to go another 500. That this yeah. is the beginning of a continued, uh, you know, rapid climb in rates, and that's not what you're saying at all. No, exactly. And it's some. It sort of reminds me of when we talk about performance, relative versus absolute performance. So it's not the absolute 25; it's the relative 25 that matters, right? Perfect. Yes, because when we went from zero to 25 basis points, that was more significant than going from 500 to 525. Exactly. Exactly. And when you're, you know, well over 200 pounds like I am, that third piece of cake again, not not doing a whole lot <laughs> on a relative basis. So all of this, though, where, where we start to think about it from a portfolio sense is yep. how does this all come together around the bond market? And, and what happens in the bond market, given all the tightening that's happened and, yeah. and as they wrap up this tightening as we move towards the end of the year? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I would say, well, it's not definitive yet. I would say that we probably saw peak yields uh, last fall uh, because we've seen a, a significant improvement uh, since then. We think that the relentless increase in bond yields from last year that we saw has, because it's erased, um, a lot of the, the the overvaluation in the bond markets, you know, things are, are, are much better positioned in here. And so the prospect for returns going forward uh, are, are much better for, for um, bond investors. Our forecast for the U.S. 10-year, taking that as an example, um, one year out is about 3.25%. And if you take that versus the current level where we are is about 370 um, in in the U.S. that that's that means that yields falling means prices higher. So we have actually have some good total return prospects for bonds going forward from here. And the good news is is because of the um, we've reset yield levels to more reasonable levels from historically low levels, um, you know, two years ago or so. They are in a better position to act as a ballast or a diversifier in a multi-asset portfolio should we encounter any um, volatility in, in the equity markets uh, if a recession does take hold, which is hold, which Eric LaSalle, I think, has said that his forecast now is about 80 percent chance or probability of a recession in, in the back half of 2023. 
Yeah, and and economy slows down, then the the, the Fed and and the Bank of Canada have accomplished what they were looking for in terms of slowing down the economy, inflation coming down, yeah. and uh, and if that has a negative effect on stocks, which we'll get to in a, in in a moment, uh, bonds are an important protection, which is why you have that diversification, and 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 that's what you do when you're managing the the, the portfolios that you manage. You you're 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 using that fixed income, or you like to be able to use the fixed income as insurance against volatility in equity markets. Yeah, exactly. And so we, we, we will tactically manage between the equity and cash and bond weight um, as the opportunities in the market sort of present themselves. And if we see some equity market volatility on the horizon, then uh, we can shift money into sort of the insurance side of the portfolio, as you mentioned, which is which is fixed income and or cash. Yeah. And now, as we've been talking about with Stu, uh, we've had a, a a fairly decent rally from the 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 lows in October. It's been yep. you know a little bit narrow, broadened out a little bit o- over the last week. But you're you're starting to hit some levels where you know you're getting to a 20 times multiple on the S and P. So so what are your thoughts on equities? Can can this rally continue, or is this where you you kind of expect a bit of a breather? Yeah, well, the rally off of the off of the lows was pretty broad based initially, but the returns in recent months have been more concentrated on a pretty narrow set of U.S. mega cap technology stocks. Um, when you actually look beneath the surface and beyond that U.S. large cap market, you're actually seeing um, a little bit more modest performance. So, for example, the overall S&P 500 is up about 9% in the first five months of 2023. But if you look at an equal weighted version of the S&P 500, which kind of normalizes for that weight of those large cap tech stocks, the, the index is actually down 1.4%. So um, it, it's really th- those tech stocks, which are really being driven by a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around artificial and um, intelligence, if you if it's masking the performance of, of the underlying index. So not a lot of breadth in the market. Um, so we're, we're keeping a, a very close eye on that. I think the bigger threat to, to markets right now is the to equity markets is this, the sustainability of corporate profits. So they have been struggling um, as of the, the last few months, and they are vulnerable if the economy falls into recession. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you know we place about an 80% odds of a recession developing over the next few quarters. And in, in that type of environment, you're going to see corporate profits and earnings likely come down. And that's going to put some some pressure on equity markets over the next six months. So, so you, you pull that all together and this is, this is why we love to have you on. The bottom line is then how do you position your portfolio given your expectations around central banks, bond market, stock market, uh, and, and, and where we're sitting right now? Yeah, well, the asset mix is a balance of risks and opportunities. And actually, right now, the risks and the opportunities that are facing us in the market are exactly that, balanced, Um, which meaning that we're actually neutral on the asset mix for the first time in quite some time. So we're bang on our strategic neutral positions um, across all of the portfolios. How we got there was we began 2022 with an overweight in equities and an underweight in bonds. And over the last 18 months or so, we have been moderating those positions by buying bonds as yields rose and by selling stocks um, as risks increase in the equity market. And so, you know, our next move, we're, you know, we're monitoring things very closely. We're going to adjust as necessary. Some of the things that we're looking at in order to add back to our equity exposure, because as you know, we generally have an overweight in equities because we want to capture the risk premium of, of equities over bonds over the long term. And so the things we need to look at in order to add back to our equity position would be an easing in financial conditions, uh, an improvement in sort of leading indicators in the economy, 
expanding market breadth, uh, you know, beyond just the, the U.S. large cap tech stocks driving performance uh, in, in the market. So, so a number of things that we're looking at to, to potentially add to our equity weight um, over the next six months. Any, 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 uh, any areas in particular you're favoring or unfavoring overweight, underweight when you, when you get into specific regions uh, or, or biases towards value or growth? So we don't particularly focus on on sort of value and growth uh, within the portfolios. We 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 try to build fairly um, balanced portfolios from a style and factor perspective. From a regional perspective, we have a preference for Europe and Asia uh, within the portfolios. So we're slightly overweight those regions um, at the expense of North America and emerging market equities. Okay, so that's a good uh, good synopsis of kind of where we are and 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 what you're thinking about that. And, and just just for the for the listeners, um, and, and and when you say you're on a neutral weighting, so let's just take a most common investor, a balanced investor. Yep. What would that mean in terms of your your asset mix uh, for balance? What is that target for yep. the way you think of a balanced portfolio? It's sixty uh, percent equities, thirty eight percent bonds, and two percent cash. Excellent. So that's uh, that's right where you're uh, right where you're sitting and uh, and and taking a look at how how things play out. And uh, you, you seem pretty calm, but uh, I know you worry about a lot. What uh, what's keeping you up at night around these markets, which as we as we talk to to everyone, uh, there seems to you know, crept in a little bit more uncertainty around, you know, just what's going to happen over the next uh, six to 12 months. Yeah, I think I could probably answer that in two ways. Um, one focused on markets and one focused on how clients react to that volatility that, that you just mentioned. So for markets, as I mentioned, we neutralized uh, the tactical asset mix because we're expecting further volatility in equity markets over the next few few quarters as that recession comes into view. It's always possible that the market doesn't price in a recession or the markets don't adjust, in which case we de-risk the portfolios too early. So you know, that's something I, we're keeping a very close eye on markets and we will adjust our view and our positioning as needed um, if, if the outlook does change. In terms of the client side, I think the thing that really sort of keeps me up at night is how clients are reacting to this volatility in market. They've become very nervous about the future prospects for markets, and this led many of them to deviate from their long-term investment plans, uh, instead choosing to remain in cash or just to sell some of their investments um, to cash. Uh, and move to cash. You know, I think that's an appropriate strategy for some clients, but probably not all clients, because those that have long-term time horizons or the need for higher returns to meet their retirement and, and their investment goals might be putting themselves into a position where they're not going to be able to meet their goals. So I really find myself reminding people often that they need to focus on where markets are going, not on where they've been, um, and to, to reflect on the significant change we've had in markets over the, the last 18 months. Um, but I'll then also focus on their long-term goals, not what's going to happen in the next day or month or quarter, um, what's, what they need to achieve in terms of, um, you know, performance and, and returns over the 12, 15, 20-year time horizons that most of our clients have in front of them. So it's really about controlling your emotions and sticking to those long-term investment plans that they've put together with their advisors. Yeah, and and just one more time, the last uh, if we go back to October, what are, what are we talking about? Nine, nine months, uh, last eight nine months have been an example of that, where you know there was really nothing that would have suggested that October was going to be a time where you likely should have been investing. It was a very uncomfortable time to make that decision, yet 
you know, we can look back now over the last eight, nine months, and it's been a pretty good, uh, pretty good period for investors, whether you're in stocks or bonds, or as you like to say, with diversification in both. Yeah. And so, you know, as, as, as we always say, and, and some of this is cliche, but, but at the same time, there's, there's a reason why it makes sense that no one's going to ring the bell and tell you the exact time to get in. And oftentimes when you're feeling the worst, uh, is is likely the time that you should be uh, considering making uh, an, an investment decision. And I know you think quite often about uh, about that and and taking the emotion out of your investment decisions, just clinically looking at markets and how to maximize returns over the long term. Yeah, and to your point, we've done a lot of research on this to sort of say how how much of the return for the entire cycle do you miss out on if you miss the first six months of the new cycle? And it's a pretty significant portion of it. Um, and it's clients are just, you know, you're at the low in a market and these, you say this is the time that you're supposed to be buying stocks or buying a, a portfolio or investing in the markets. And that's the worst possible time that, that anybody would be like, well, how the heck, you know, I don't know why you want me to invest now. This is, everything feels terrible. And you say, yes, that's right. That's the time you actually should be putting the money into the market. So my preference would be for people to just stay invested and through the entire cycle, as opposed to trying to pick highs and lows in terms of um, selling or, or buying into the markets on an ongoing basis. Just stay invested through the entire piece and you'll have a much better result out of it. Sarah, always great to catch up with you. You've always got uh, you've always got some good insights and uh, and important things to say, particularly around thinking about investments and the way you approach investing. Uh, those truisms that you have, which uh, you can if you uh, if you follow Sarah on LinkedIn, you can see uh, she she posts a lot of great content, uh, including uh, her uh, her ten. Uh, investment truisms, which is, is it still 10 or did you actually officially add the 11th on, in, on LinkedIn? Yeah, no, uh, it's still officially 10. Um, the number 11, which we actually talked about here, which is to focus on where markets are going, not on where they, on where they have been, has not officially been added to the list yet. All right. So, uh, but again, uh, Sarah, a great person to follow, lots of interesting stuff there. And, uh, and again, thanks for joining us today, Sarah. Thank you. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.